Easy as that. So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? Your car. <laughs> Ride a moped. I don't know, like touch a flower, is it moving? Like, no, nah, feel free locked up. Sounds like you're fucked, dude. Oh boy. The wop, wop, wop. You fucking blew it. Yo, what's up? What's going on? Welcome to Moped Money Podcast. We're back with another week doing the thing. If you've never listened to us before, this is a podcast where we loosely, randomly talk about the little tiny bikes that we all know and love. Mopeds. Some with pedals, some with not the pedals, some kickstart, some uh, no peds, you know, whatever you consider to be a moped that you enjoy. And yeah, uh, that's it. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram or Facebook or any of those things, we're on all that social media stuff, and you can listen to it anywhere you get your uh, podcast or where you're listening to it now. All the things. And if you want to support the podcast, we have a store. It's uh, mopedmonday.com. So check it out. And out the gates, we got our guests live on the phone already. Derek Stoll from Black Black, my gang. Not club. Gang, real gang shit out here. Damn right. <laughs> don't 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 play. Don't play. Real gang shit. <laughs> Dude, what's Three. going on, man? Oh, still keeping it real out here. Uh repping black, black, all over Colorado still. Oh yeah. You wanna uh, I guess tell her when your your full name and where you were like born and where you're from? Uh my name's Derek Stahl. Born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh Moved to Colorado in 03, and I've been here since. Uh, yeah. Riding it out, dude, forever. Black, black, for the rest of your life. Denver, for the rest of your life. You're never moving. You're, you're there now. Uh, maybe to a beach someday, but <laughs> forever black. Dude, there's there's no snow at the beach, bro. Yeah, it's all right. I can surf when I'm older. <laughs> dude, so let's get into it, man. How did you get into mopeds? Oh, man. Well, uh, my grandpa had a bot of it that I used to rip around the neighborhood when I was, like, 12. And um, I rode that thing a bunch, you know, when I was just, like, a preteen. And then I moved out to Colorado. I had a series of motorcycles through college and uh, kind of gave it up there for a little while wasn't really riding anything other than bicycles and when i moved out to colorado i bought a motorcycle an rd uh 350 and Ooh, that might as well be a moped yeah and it was a total basket case so i was like rebuild mad and i started reading you know a two-stroke tuning handbook and learning a little bit more about high performance moped stuff or mostly just two-stroke motors i guess yeah and i had already known how to tune two strokes because me and my dad had tree service as a kid and i already knew how to tune bicycles because i raced mountain bikes for a long time and rode bmx and dude uh, I, always, I always forget about that like you're like like so if, if you've ever been in Derek's house he's got this like all these sick mopeds and all these sick bikes and you're like yo you got all these sick bicycles too yeah uh, i was i mean i was really heavily like as much as i'm into mopeds I was that heavy into bicycles for a long time. I was a safety coordinator for Trek bicycles for a long time, and oh, yeah. just like focused 
my whole life around bicycles. That's tight. What was that? What's that yeah. one like rare bike you have? Don't you? You have like some like U.S. like team like alternate oh, yeah, colorway or something? Yeah, I've got like a one of a kind Klein Attitude race bike. It's like made for the Swiss race team. It's just like a sample bike that they didn't take, and I ended up getting because it was at the right place at the right time. That's tight. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, well, so yeah, and then I was, I was building this RD. And went to a swap meet and picked up a Honda Express and like souped that thing up in my little apartment and got it going like 38 miles an hour and was kind of hooked after that and started getting all my friends riding. So that's kind of you. You just kind of lured your friends in the mopeds. Yeah. Well, you know, I had like once I had one, I had to let everybody try it and then i had to get two so we go ride around together and then some of them got bikes the next thing i know there's like six or seven of us and i mean this was 2003 or four this is long before even spokesman or any of that stuff yeah and so we kind of rode around a bunch and those guys all kind of faded out and then spokesman came about and was riding with all those guys and Black Black came about out of that. So Spokesman was like a old like Denver club. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of the guys that were in Black Black were Spokesman. What kind of was kind of like the rise and fall of that of that club before it transitioned? Um, I mean, a lot of it the the rallies were getting bigger. People were really getting like into the moped lifestyle, and Black Black really embraced it. Like we jumped in full force but the spokesmen are already like habit bus and traveling and everything and it just kind of the the guys that were the core drew kind of a lot of us split off went to black black and a lot of the other guys just kind of faded out of mopeds yeah and so the spokesman is just kind of faded away unfortunately yeah we tend to see that still like though like with like a lot of like scenes like new clubs will pop up and like I don't know, it's that, that whole thing with, like, uh, I guess, like, how there used to be, like, you know, more, like, one club in per city and, like, you know, one club in this area. And it's, like, well, when these new clubs start up and, like, the old club's kind of, like, dying and you see, like, all these all these dudes that, like, never really ride. It's, like, it's like something that I wonder is, like, yo, is it, is it going to be, like, uh, one of those things where, like, you know, they, they just all, like, soak into the other club. Like, all the people are still left, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because, like, right now, the guys here in town, got, a lot of them are just busy with family and life and, you know, like, don't have time to ride that often. But there is new clubs in town. There's yeah, two of them. Got the syndicates out there? Yep. And then the Mozuka guys. Oh, I haven't heard about that one. Yeah, and um, they're doing weekly rides, and I'm going out and going on rides with them, but I don't plan on joining any other clubs that's for sure yeah, but i do know like i fully <laughs> fully support them and like i help lead rides and give them roots and you know it's like it's great to see new blood taking over where we kind of don't have time to do all that part of what's part of the moped community you know yeah like it definitely takes like a, someone who's younger and who has the time to be able to like do consistent weekly rides and like host events and like really like drive the bus. Yeah. 
yeah absolutely you know um people with families or like me i'm just old and tired i don't feel like riding a moped every week (laughs) (laughs) uh you know i just and i don't don't have time for it with all the other things so it's awesome to see these other new clubs coming up and carrying on the torch that's tight i'm pumped on that but yeah so you got like uh new guys and you guys started the syndicates and or, i mean you guys started uh the spokesman and then you all transitioned over to black black and like kind of like what was the beginning of that like i mean it was wild like, we were you know, everybody's bikes were custom that didn't look like anything else everybody's bikes were black everybody's bikes were fast like i mean we'd show up to rallies and we'd definitely have like a presence you know and it was just it was a really exciting time you know and run around the city everybody know who we were to go to the bars and they'd already see us coming in mm-hmm. you know they'd like know who black black was it was it was it was pretty fun times when we first were raging through the city yeah um we're, we had a lot of active riders. We had a big scene here in town, too. And everybody was able to travel a lot, which was really nice. That's tight. I know you guys had, like, the old, like, John had the, the shop, like, the shred shed. Was that, like, early on? Or did it, like, take a while before you got to, like, that point? No, shred shed was definitely, like, one of the, you know, major fostering points of the club is because that's where we'd all got together. I mean, the spokesmen were still a thing. The shred shed was around, but like, that's where black black was getting together and hanging out. And, you know, we all had a different mentality to, uh, let's just say from kind of the rest of the, the moped scene in town. So, you know, it, the shred shed gave us a place to all get together. It definitely helped the club grow. Oh, yeah. And were you, like, deep into it, like, right out the gates? Like, you know, once you got your friends in, you had a couple of bikes where you just, you know, as far as the amount oh. of bikes you had and, like, how deep down the rabbit hole you were going? Oh, yeah. I was living, like, four hours from Denver. I'd trailer bikes down to go on group rides every week. Um, I was hosting, like, big group rides out by me and having everybody come crash at my house. I had a, rented a barn. I'd, like, at one point, I had 37 running bikes. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'd like go, I had rented a barn and a two car garage just to store bikes in. Dude, we just have to pause at that right there, dude. Thirty seven running bikes. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't think we can name one person in the community right now who's got thirty seven runners. Like that's a lot. It sucks. That's it a lot. Sucks, though, that's a pain in the ass like, to keep up with. <laughs> oh my god, I go over on every Saturday and I pull them out and I start them and then I'd wipe the dust off and then I'd let them run the pet or the float dry turn the gas off you know and then park them and do that with every bike or you know about at least half of them every week just so that they'd all stay running you know yeah now we really got to get into that though but how'd, how'd you end up with 37 bikes man oh well I mean back when I first started here in town too the bikes were cheap and they were plentiful and like like one time I went and I bought a guy out in Vail. I got to think of like 20 Minarelli bikes from him and one by, you know, and there was just a plethora of bikes and I was just addicted and I had a good job. So I'd lose, you know, lose budget, <laughs> to say the least. 
So I was just kind of snatching up everything, and then I was getting them fixed, and I was turning them out into the town. What was like the average price of the bike you were buying? Uh, three hundred bucks for like nice stuff, like hundred to fifty bucks for like not running but complete, you know. And there, I mean, of all makes and models, but I mean, the fifty dollar that just needed the carb clean bike wasn't out of the question. Yeah, I feel like that was like that that whole time period, like early early two thousands, because that because because here in Richmond, that's what it was like. Like the Satans were blowing up or whatever. They're running from bar to bar. Everyone in town knew who they were. They're doing that thing. They were like no rules and like wild club, and they're buying like all these mopeds for like nothing. Like you know, fifty dollar bikes, hundred dollar bikes. Like right. oh, let me get three for one hundred and fifty bucks. Like and so they'd have a shit ton of bikes. I got to pause there because you mentioned the Satans and I got to give them a shout out because it's kind of their fault that I found out about even the <laughs> Moped Army because I was hanging out with my friends up in the town Brighton. We had like six or seven people on expresses and we were all watching the Simpsons episode with the Hell Satans, but gang, the motorcycle gang or whatever. And yeah. we we're like, that'd be hilarious if we started a moped club like that. And I was like, I'm going to Google it. That's got to, ha- that's already had, had to have happened. And sure as shit, we find the YouTube video, and that just was, like, mind-blown about the whole Moped Army scene, and that's where we found out about Moped Army and rallies, and I guess that was really where the rabbit hole the, opened up. The, the tipping point, the fucking, <laughs> the, the lights got turned on. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what the movie was. Like, uh, uh, like Satan since 2003. Yeah, 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 like the very first one. Yeah. I don't know. I think they, I think they had like a fucking viewing for that too, like in like in in a theater in town, you know, like the two dollar movie theater. I think they rented it out and had like <laughs> the viewing oh, for the documentary awesome. or some shit. That's awesome. So cheap Anyways. ass bikes, piling them up. Yeah, well, and too that I mean the stuff that I was keeping was pretty rare, cool stuff. Like I, any of the like run of the mill basic maxis and. Motorbikes and stuff. I was cleaning up and just selling for four or five hundred bucks. Yeah, dude. So you've you been know, like, in, like the flip game like forever. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy working on them almost more than I like the whole riding. Yeah, you know, like I've always really liked tinkering with shit and modifying things and free speed out of a two stroke has always been super exhilarating. You know, like mm-hmm. the first time I did a 50, 50 bike, that was like one of the most rewarding things, you know, using all stock parts and yeah. just grinding on the thing and making it go fast. Yeah. So, I, love, you know, like, I always love that whole like instant gratification you get too. like, I feel I have a real sense of accomplishment when I fix anything on a moped. Cause like a lot of people's daily lives, you're not like, doing shit with your hands where you're fixing problems and then like get like instant results. Yeah, absolutely. One of the greatest sounds is that bike that's just not been run in 30 years. And the first time it fires up. Smells horrible. Sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, even if it sounds like a bunch of bolts in a blender, it's still, if it's running, you know, it's always an exciting moment. Yeah. So, you got all these bikes, and you fix them up, and you send them down the road. Are these people that you're selling the bikes to like sticking around? Or are you seeing like, their, no, like just, retention, or they're just like gone? 
no, it's Ray Rando is using them for transportation. Most of them, like not every, almost every single one of them that I had sold the bike to, I'd add to a local group me, but just gone like this. I've put hundreds of bikes out into Colorado running and I have no idea where they all are. <laughs> you never see them. Like every once in a while they'll pop up on Craigslist. Yeah. But like makes you always wonder too, like if we had like little trackers, you could well, it's super legal. Don't, don't do shit like that. But like little trackers <laughs> you could put on every bike you sell and like, yeah, I remember where that, I know where that bike's at right now. <laughs> Cause I've had that same feeling. Like every bike I've sold, like they don't stick around. There's like, I have zero retention to like randos. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the deal. Is. Like, I think it's just the transportation thing. Yeah. And two, like I, everybody that I sell a moped to, I try and scare out of it. You know, I tell <laughs> how how awful they are. Like, sure, not gonna, you sure you want to do not, this? This is not a scooter. You're going to be late for work, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I just like hired one of um one of our one of our new mopeders. Uh, this young kid Pat, I got him. I got him a job at where I work, and I'm just like, I'm just waiting for it. I'm like, yeah, I'm waiting for that because he rides a moped that we work. We never rides this moped to work every day. I'm just like, yeah, I'm waiting for that day. He just calls me up, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna be a little about an hour late. I'm walking. <laughs> I'm like, it's coming sooner or later. He just gets out of the lift carrying his helmet. <laughs> <laughs> just carry a lock with you everywhere you go, dude. On a cell phone, you're good. That's how I do it these days. I used to be like pack of tools but now yeah, I'm fix it on the side of the road walk it somewhere like no way yeah, no I mean it's either the bike's gonna make the ride or I'll leave the house on it or if it doesn't I'm locking it up and cabin at home yeah I got a truck <laughs> yeah we'll come we'll come back for that later <laughs> yeah so like what was like that that early scene like in Denver like once once you guys Kind of had Black Black going. You're running from bar to bar. You're doing the thing. Were you guys already great, like hosting rides and like? Yeah, I mean we have big group rides, that, 20, 30 riders on the weekly, and yeah, it just it was really big. And first five or six years, we just kind of slowed down here. Everybody just kind of got old. When I when I moved out to Glenwood, kind of like stepped away for a bit. And back into the town. By the time I was back, Rick had his new shop, and everybody was kind of working a lot. Yeah. What was the traveling like? Were you guys hitting like a lot of out of town rallies? Yeah, uh, we traveled all over the place. I mean, we made a big point of it. I mean, you know, we you saw all the group chats. We've made a big point of making sure the club was seen everywhere, and that we've had a good representation. You know want to make sure everybody knew that we were still around and still loved mopeds <laughs> yeah i feel that for sure like i don't know it's like one of those things you want to like we're we're kind of like i think we're still the biggest club in moped army i think from, so from member count wise and we're like i don't know it's kind of weird how, we, how, we, how it spread out so much too like you want to speak on that a little bit like how uh you guys just started kind of breaking the rules that Moped Army kind of had set in place of, like, oh, one club, like, yeah, one city, yeah. like, kind of thing? Well, I mean, part of it was is that we had all these friends in places that there either wasn't a scene or they didn't fit in with the scene, but they, you know, like, they're a moped rider. They should be an official member. 
they you know they grind it hard they love mopeds they're a good person you know and they fit our club so why why should they not be part of it you know yeah. it's you know the whole thing was kind of based on an internet thing through moped army why do we have to be in right there in person with each other all the time to have a club for sure and we you know there was strict rules you know we held all the clubs you know all the different branches accountable uh, had you know pretty strict guidelines that everybody had to stick to yeah Dude, what was, oh, what was that thing about your, uh, like, you used to do, like, some, like, moped racing? Yeah, there was like, the old, like, MSR, racing. MSRA, the Mountain Scooter Racing Association. It was mostly a bunch of scooter guys, but we had a whole moped class, about 10 to 15 racers on average. We did it for a couple seasons. It was really fun. Um, it was I- I mentioned, I mentioned like on a recent podcast about like, uh, I was like, yeah, like uh, my buddy Derek from Black Black, he's got this like race bike and it was so super sick. It was pook. And like he had secret clutch technology that like he would never tell us about. And I was, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, dude, like I was explaining to people like on the podcast. I was like, so it's a manual clutch on a pook that you can activate anytime you want. So you can rev it up and dump the clutch just like you would do like on a dirt bike or something. And like he's doing it on an E50, and I was like, if anyone thinks they know the the idea, like DM me and let me know. I only got one response, and and he was pretty he was pretty close, like pretty dead on, I believe. But yeah, I, I mean, know, it's, I don't know if you want to give the knowledge away now, and it's uh, uh, if somebody wants it, they can hit me up and ask me about it. It's not that hard to figure out if you really want to do it. Just sit and look at the the clutch assembly and figure out how you can manually make it engage. Yeah. He gave it, like, he, he gave some thought. I think he hit it on the he- nail on the head, but like it definitely takes a little bit of thinking. Cause the first time like, you told me about it or that I saw it, cause I didn't, cause I didn't know the bike. I didn't know anything about the bike at the time we were leaving your house at the rally. We we're like riding back into the city and I'm like watching you ride the bike. And I'm like, yeah, what is this fucking E50 doing right now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like riding beside you, and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> it's a fun bike to ride. It's tiring, and it burns through about thirty bucks in parts every two hundred miles. Yeah, so it's not, not, not really the most practical. Yeah, not something you want to do for a regular bike. For, no, for, no. for the track or something, you might you know come in handy. That motor is still built and sitting there. It's ready to go. It actually runs still. Yeah. But I haven't taken that thing out in quite a while. Dude, so you had that kind of racing. You guys were doing track stuff, and then, and then I, you guys, you also have like a pinball title, right? From the first one. Yeah, we won the first pinball and second in the second one, and I took sixth in the third with no chase on that one. Oh man, dude, tell us about that first year. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, it was so much fun. We, when we heard about it, me and Rick and Josh all were like hanging out a lot, and I was like, "Let's go and win this thing!" Like, it, we had every intention the whole time of winning it, and every I mean, we spent so much time planning and put a bunch of not a whole lot of time into the bike, but just like planning out everything, just the logistics of it all, 
Yeah. And y'all definitely, because this is like the first pinball. For those who don't understand, like Baker's Dozen has been doing these for a couple years now. Pinball did it for a couple years. So this is the first one. There's been nothing like this in the moped community. And out of all the races, like the first one was the most like, I'm not going to say unrealistic, but like the toughest out of them. Like three, 300 plus mile days. Like, yeah, I don't think days. I don't think any of the Baker dozen rides are, are are doing that that much distance on on any of the days. Just like the spacing between riders, Alex Grow, I want to say was like forty hours behind us, you know, and he still kicked ass. Like, yeah, it was brutal though because you know some of the days would just add up to like twelve, eighteen hour days for people. Yeah, on a moped, that's a long fucking time. I think Alex even had a couple 24-hour days, you know? Oh, like, yeah. I heard he had someone that went through the night and just barely made it, like, the next day. Like, he'd pull up as, yeah. p- as people were leaving to start the next day. It, that was a really hard year. And, too, like, the second year was easier. We learned a lot. And then by the third, like, I mean, the first year, we went through multiple engine cases. We have, like, well, two engine cases, one complete engine failure. We have so many top ends, so many ignitions like five or six pipe failures, flat tires, uh, broken frame, broken rear shot, like all yeah. of this stuff, like that hard, you wouldn't hard on the little bike. Happen. And the last year I had, I had two flat tires cause Google sent me down a gravel road. You know, like I learned that much over the years that the bike was built Sturdy. to handle those kind of rides yeah. and not fall apart. What would be like your some pro tips that you would give for people doing it like on like setting up the bike? Biggest one, flip fit exhaust. Uh, like a like a flange mount in the front and a spring mount in the back, like a hook that holds the pipe up so that everything is loose. It's easy to change, easy to swap top ends. No swapping exhaust cylinders or uh, studs, you know, it's like Yeah just a, a real easy thing and also a fairing it's something to get you out of the wind just a little bit helps yeah i remember you, oh i remember that first year i think y'all like cut one out of cardboard or something halfway through we did we did have some modified cardboard <laughs> <laughs> for a little bit yeah dude this that's this review was wild too for those who like weren't around and weren't paying attention to it at the time i remember this was like the year that like yeah, mopeds were fast. We're doing mopeds, and, you know, people are, like, hitting 50. You know, you go to the rally, your bike's doing 55. You're, like, pretty much blasting on everybody. You know, there's a couple of guys that are doing, you know, into the 60s. And then this pinball kicks off, and we're, like, watching the race on Glimpse. And you're seeing this this bike hit 71 or 73 miles an hour, and everyone's like, nah, this can't be real. This can't be real. They're, they they got to be like in a car or like on a chase or something. Like yeah, that was on a on a rigid Pinto or swinger, a swinger frame, the yeah. full fairing. Yeah, that shit was out of hand. I was like, I can't believe you guys were going that fast on a moped. It for, was pretty for miles and miles on end too. Oh, well, I remember when it happened. The temp the sun had just set the temperature dropped like 10 degrees we're going through iowa and the every, all the like atmospheric conditions were just perfect for the the carburetor and the tune and the pipe and everything on the bike 
and I had been practicing arching my back to like get into just the most aerodynamic position I could. And I got to this spot where it felt like the bike just lifted up off the ground almost and just took off. And I remember just seeing the chase just kind of fading off behind me. <laughs> like my chase van is just, we're in a 50, I think it was 50 mile an hour zone or 55. And I can just see them not speeding because there's cops all around. And I just started passing semis, just hauling, man. It was unreal. That was, that was a pretty fun day. Yeah, it's got to be like a crazy experience. Dude, what was, that was a hard pinball, though. That, yeah. You know, that was one where we learned, too, where it's more about comfort and reliability than speed. Yeah. Because that one, we would have won if we wouldn't have beat ourselves with the bike. We, you know, we just kept breaking stuff. And yeah. We by the end of it, we were all yelling at each other. Rick <laughs> tried punching me out at the finish line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It, it was it was fun, but that was a hard one, emotionally. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that something like that definitely puts a test on like your friendship. You know, it's like you're, you're working together. You gotta like you have different opinions, and like you know, everyone wants to do it their way, but you have to like have like a plan like set in place. Well, in the, the first year when we were all riding too, it was funny because when you'd switch riders, it was literally like pulling the pin on a grenade and handing it to your friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This, you what, really know this what is what the bike's doing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, 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 is he, what has he been doing to the bike for the last six hours? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Dude, you guys yeah, were, was, you had like fast gas stops too. I remember you guys rolling team. I think that had like a giant like race style gas can. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about trying to fill up while we were driving. That was an awful idea. <laughs> I did that once at the uh, at the Denver rally, like the the one we went up to the mountains. And my fucking my bike died at the gas station. And I pulled off my dirt bike and I started riding. I'm like, fuck, there's no gas in this. And like the truck handed me a gas can and like I'm pouring it in the tank like while riding down the road. <laughs> like there's no time to stop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the pinball, it was the first one, too. You know, watching the glimpse, you, nobody really had an idea how long a, a lead you really needed, you know, because it was a total gamble on what was going to happen to anybody's bike at any given point. Yeah. So you didn't want to waste any time. Dude, it's definitely got to be hard. I've known, like, this year was, like, a lot of derbies, and, like, I got to, like, talk to a bunch of the guys and hear about you know, all their breaks. And it was the same thing. Like people just dealing with like failures and like, you know, the bike breaking, that's like the hardest part. Yeah. It's a lot of fatigue. You know, they're just not made to run for that many hours on end. Yeah. Dude. So let's get into like hosting rides and stuff where you guys like, when you started hosting rallies, what were what were those early Black Black rallies like? Because I know like the ones you know we've done the last couple of years. I think we had the first scavenger hunt rally. Um, yeah, that was a good time in Denver. Uh, we had well, there was all the wheelies and jumps ones that we used to always host winter rallies. Um, you know, and that was at the shred shed where we had the skate ramp and. Those are always fun. Those are always pretty hard on people coming to Denver in the middle of winter and trying to ride. 
always interesting, you know, leading group rides sometimes with like three to four inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> and people would show up. That's a really interesting part. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of people coming, you know. And a lot of us had made friends, you know, all over because we had been traveling before black bike was a club you know we had all been really active so we already had a lot of friends in the community once we started throwing rallies and everybody knew we liked to party so they knew it'd be a good time people started coming oh yeah dude what about like like the start of like the like trifecta uh you know that was a big part of just like jono had a lot of close relationships with uh, Sam and Tom and a lot of the guys from um, the Hot and Readies that that had bled off into, you know, the trifecta forming, I guess. And it was really kind of those the three punk rock gangs. You know, it was like all of us had fests and kind of like the party together. All had similar mindset on what we wanted to do when we were at rallies and. I kind of forgot about that sometimes, like, because now, like, it's so common. Like, it's almost, like, the default for moped clubs to have vests and cuts. And, oh, like, yeah. And, like, I forgot, like, back then, like, it was, like, super normy, and then, like, there were these, like, weird punk clubs that had cuts. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I guess, a look back then <laughs> for that period. <laughs> Uh, I still bust my cut out every once in a while when I go on the group rides here. Yeah, I gotta rep the set, dude. Gotta, gotta rep, dude. Yeah, you gotta, gotta rep gotta the set. Rep. Can't 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 be out here like shaming the club, you know. <laughs> every once in a while, I'll bring out a fast bike, dude. Yeah, blast, huh? yeah. Gotta gotta let them know who's passing them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool too. Like we still like rockers here. Like just like it's so common. It's like. It's Richmond. It's still like a city with like bands and music and punk kids and like hardcore kids and like so it's still like common. Like you can go to a bar wearing a cut and like it's not like awkward or out of place. Yeah, uh, Denver. It's not as common as it used to be. There used to be a big bike scene, and I think that's kind of how because a lot of the guys who were in our club too were part of our sister club here, the Rim Job Bicycle Club, and they all were wearing cuts before we were. Yeah. You know, so that they kind of bled into us. That's always been cool to me too, like the whole like the the weird like kind of transition connection between like bicycle clubs and like moped clubs. It's like it's an easy like transition. Yeah, I mean, especially if you learn how to fix a a fixed gear bicycle, you can pretty much make a a moped roll. You know, and then the easy part's making the engine work. Dude, so you've been like uh, wrenching on bikes and doing this like mechanic thing for a while. Like, what's uh, what, what are some of like the things you've come across that were just like really awesome finds or really fun to work on, or bikes that were just a pain in the ass? Uh, I mean, most of the French bikes have been a pain in the ass for me. I just never really got that into them, and I've got this MBK that's like my white whale hanging on the wall. Dude, Treeland um, just sold one. They had one posted on their on their page, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" And then Mike, and I was like, "I was like, did Derek sell his? Like, where they get another one? You know, because I haven't seen one ever besides the one in your garage." Yeah, I've never seen another one either. I'm curious who got that one. But yeah, I mean that 
that's the one French bikes have always been challenging to me. Vespas, I've I've loved them, but I never found them rewarding. Um, and I mean, as you know, I've always loved the E50. It's such an easy platform to just make fast, other than the clutch. Yeah. So. You know, those have definitely been my highlights. I've always liked the weird stuff like the foldables. I've got a Kit Kat with a Marini engine on it right now that I'm waiting to get to. Um, I've always liked the weird 50 shifties, too. I've got a TZ50 that I'm waiting to build and a Creedler Florette that's been in my garage for way too long. I feel like that's a other weird thing. Like, when we get this deep into them, you find, like, in the beginning, you're just buying whatever... And then you start finding the bikes that you want to, like, keep or, like, the ones you buy that you really fall in love with. And, like, even though you might not be using it or working on it or building it at the time, like, you can never let go of it. Like, I have, like, a stack of, like, a few bikes that are just in the back of my garage. They're, like, been, like, indefinitely on the back burner for, like, multiple years now. Oh, yeah, that Creedler's got to be coming up on six or seven years. I had it running, like, two weeks after I bought it and parked it, and it has not, I've not even tried to touch it tent yeah but just it's like moved it around it's like you can't let go of it like you can't like no uh, at some point at some point i will get to it <laughs> it's like one day this bike will be a runner yeah yeah i mean lately i've been I've gotten really into some electric stuff oh um, yeah so you, you so you had the little kid dirt bike things for a bit the little e yeah i made a little electric supermoto that's pretty gnarly one of the most dangerous things I've made on two wheels lately. <laughs> and then uh picked up an electric tuck tuck recently too, and that's been a lot of fun. Where do you see like the place for like electric bikes like in the moped scene in the future? Um I don't really see that they fit in to the moped scene that well just because the the nice thing about a moped is like you can ride it anywhere you you run out of gas, you just stop at a gas station, like on rallies or like a long ride, the electrics wouldn't work. You didn't need like charging stations or multiple battery packs, but for like around town or commuting or even just the future of motorcycles, it's the way it's going to go. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty fun to ride. That's for damn sure. For sure. Um, you know, I see these the, these guys converting moped frames into little electric bikes, or and then there's like the Onyx and some of the other ones, Monday motorbikes or something like that. And, yeah, I actually wanted to like talk yeah. to those guys because uh, like one of the guys from Moped was uh, he also did the Moped to South America. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, those things are really cool, and I like the styling. It's, they're cost prohibitive, I think, too. And that's one of the other things about mopeds. It was always real appealing. And I think it drew in a really good type of people is that they were cheap. Yeah. You know? And it was something that was easy to do. You know, like it was easy to go to a rally and take a gas can. <laughs> that was all you need, you know, like some tools and you'd sleep on the floor and they didn't need anything else but an electric bike. Yeah. Place to charge a thing. I, yeah. I just don't see it being the same. Yeah, and not until they get like the the distance up and the price down. 
Like the speed, yeah. the speed they got, they can make them fast. Like that's not hard, but like distance, cost. Yeah, cost is a big thing. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I like my, you know, I see them and I'm like, dude, this is sick. I'd like to buy one of those just to have worth around. But it's like I can't bring myself to pull the trigger when I have like a garage full of mopeds that I can fix all of them for the price of, uh, <laughs> you know, buying one of those. Yeah, that's that little super motor that I built. It goes 40 miles an hour, and you know, wheelies on command is faster than a Tesla, but it's got a 30 mile range, and the battery costs like 700 bucks. Yeah, so it's kind of cost prohibitive. Yeah, like brutal. 700 dollars for a little battery, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's finite too. You know, it runs out of charge eventually you know you can only charge it so many times so yeah. once it's shot then you gotta do that whole investment again yeah not like three bucks into your gas tank it's also like what's the well, i don't really know what their whole like move is for like you know reusability and like you know recycling these old batteries when they die but because i never really looked into it but like that's another thing you know the waste yeah for sure the e-waste is awful that's the cool thing about mopeds too is that your carbon footprint is on a moped has long already been accounted for just by you pulling it out of the trash and reusing it. <laughs> you know, better than driving your car. Yeah. So how often are you like riding bikes now? Uh, I've been going on the weekly rides lately, at least every two weeks. Um, I mean, I still work on bikes on the regular I just replaced some broken studs on this Tomos, and that's I picked up a Tomos not too long ago for my uh, weekly ride bike, just because it's not super fast and comfortable and reliable. I'm just totally stock. Yeah, which is what you need, like something that's gonna stick around, not be yeah, stranded. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll still bust out the fast bikes, but like by the time I took out one of my real quick ones, the lights shit the bed and. Now that now you got to get a new CDI, it's power dynamo, and they don't make that coil pack thing anymore. So, mm. it's like, yeah. just one more thing to fix. Yeah. I'm just gonna almost. I feel like sometimes too, like like just selling bikes to like you know keep the bikes running, like because I don't want to like keep putting money into it. Like there definitely gets to be a point where you feel like you put like so much into like mopeds and it's like dude oh, it's like do i want to keep spending money to keep this thing going or just like sell something else and keep the i try to like keep the the hobby money in the hobby and not put new money in its pot yeah i definitely try and do that i'm pretty good about it but luckily i filled that pot pretty full a long time ago so i've got <laughs> a lot of a lot of parts and bikes to go through Funny, I've had the chopping block out lately, and I've been trying to figure out what I should thin out of the herd. How many bikes do you currently have? Since you, you know, you started with like thirty-seven, and you've probably had hundreds since then. Oh God, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. I'm gonna go to the garage and take a look. I know. I like. I was in the garage today. I, like, I I finally fixed my friend Brittany's bike, so I got her Maxi back on the road. She's out riding that. Um, so let's see, moped. Specifically, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 
14 if you count the two frames that aren't built. And out of those, I got two, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight runners. That's not bad. Nah. Yeah, eight runners is pretty solid. Like, that's more than most people are going to have. Yeah. Like, eight runners you could take out right now, or like four runners you could take out right now, and four that need a little bit of love. Uh, six I could take out two that need some love before I'd like take them out. I'd take them out during the day just because the lights aren't working. Yeah. But then I've got another, let's see, one, two, three, four. Seven, eight, nine running motorcycles in here. <laughs> that's too uh, many motorcycles, bro. And then, like, one, two, three, four, five other non running ones. Yeah. I feel like some kind of way about that. Like, uh, it's weird because uh, when I think about mopeds, I'm like, the, the thought of having more than I need, it, like, doesn't hurt. It's like, oh, yeah, like, well, they break a lot, so, so I got backups. Or, like, you know, yeah. I might be doing something this one or that one, and I got these other bikes. But, like, when it comes to, like, multiple, like, motorcycles, I'm like, ah, let's get in too deep. Oh. The whole, I can't swim in here. I'm drowning. <laughs> I use them for different things, you know. I have one for commuting, one for scaring the hell out of myself, one for riding the dirt. <laughs> One that I just like the way it looks. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, real pretty to look at. Yeah, just like I like seeing it out in my garage. I don't have to, have to ride it that often. Yeah, dude. So, like over the years, what were some of your favorite rallies to go to? Uh, the Bourbon Bandit ones were always a blast. Um, I mean that was one that I went to consistently because my you know I could kind of tag team it and go visit my family while I was there and also go to a moped rally. Yeah. Uh, Texas is always a good time. That's for sure. Um, California was always really good too. Uh, Portland rallies were always at a couple of years where I always wouldn't miss a Portland one. Yeah. It's like I've yet to hit like a California rally or a Portland rally. So I'm like, like the whole like West coast for moped rally. I think, Furthest out I've gone is Denver, so that's not even like really the West Coast, you know. Still in the Midwest. Yeah, I, I miss traveling for rallies. I haven't gone very far, quite a while. You know, hopefully here in the next year or two. I was really hoping to make it down to Santa Fe this year. It just didn't work out with work. Yeah, I mean, I'm into that too. Like I, I think. One thing that we've kind of, like, mentioned or brought up before, just, like, club stuff, we were just like, yo, we should, like, try to plan, like, a, a rally where we all meet at instead of, like, hosting something yeah. or doing something. It's like you just, like, all right, cool, let's let's plan our, like, club reunion, like, at this club's rally because it's, like, central for everybody. Yeah, we've always talked about that. And, I mean, we've had some get-togethers, but... Yeah, we haven't done the whole takeover a city for a bit for quite a while. That was a plan. Yeah, let me tell you, I bring it back. Like, like, a, like at least twenty got to show up. I think a cruise sounds fun too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, vacation. Yeah, <laughs> like let's just meet on a beach, guys, and do nothing. <laughs> or rent, rent 
jet skis. Yeah. Can we, can we, can we, can we just go somewhere to relax? Maybe I'll just start traveling for wet, wet rallies. Uh, <laughs> dude, I saw like after like after it kind of didn't go down, like I saw a couple of guys on the internet that were in mopeds get jet skis. I'm like, fuck, man, this is legit. Like they're actually out riding jet skis right now. This could be us. This should be us right now. <laughs> There's been a couple this summer highly contemplated. Yeah. It's like one of those weird things too for me. Like when I look, when I think about when I look at jet skis on when I was looking at jet skis on the internet to buy, it's like I'm like, oh, do I get a two stroke one because it's like gonna be easier to fix? Do I buy a four stroke? Like it's like that when you buy your fir- when you bought that first moped and you know nothing about it. Oh yeah, it's like, it's like it was. It's like that kind of scary vibe. You're just like, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what it does. Do you just roll the dice and buy something and then it could be like a super lemon like? cool you went out and bought a bad of us on your first bike like that 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 was thrashed and you just didn't know any better (laughs) (laughs) then it's like what do you what do you do now you're out you're out all the money and you have no clue what to do like where's the jet ski moped army forum dude what the fuck we need a new thread (laughs) simon we need a new subcategory (laughs) yeah (laughs) i need a wiki for tuning jet skis You have to give up a whole portion of your moped brain, though, to fill it with jet ski information, then. What's some of your, like, super moped knowledge that you have tucked away that you, that, that just, like, no one else would really think about? Oh, my God. I don't know. Probably some weird parts crossover stuff on some forks or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that random weird yeah. part, parts list in your mind, like you're like remembering all these weird ring gaps. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of something good, but I don't know. It's I'm too too far out of the ranching game to pull out, pull out a good story like that out of my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are you gonna be like? Your like future plans? You're gonna try to like hit something coming up next year, like you know. Catch a rally or two, or just kind of like whole course, you know, support the new clubs coming up, hit some rides. Yeah, right now, like, I'm really trying to support the local scene, get my bikes running again better than they are. You know, I'd like to get everything in the garage running, would be ideal. And, you know, just kind of hang out here. I bought a new house a couple of years ago, so I've really been focusing on that. We're going to do some big renovations here, so. Yeah. Kind of doing things, doing that stuff, you know. Yeah, the adulting dude kicks in. Yeah, I'm still riding. Um, I just met a new neighbor down the street uh, who was actually a creature, one of the I guess first round of creatures, and he had stepped away from mopeds. So, been hanging out with him a little bit. And, you know, just trying to keep the local scene going. Oh yeah. Uh, I'd like to go travel, but I think probably the next rally I'll make it to would probably be Santa Fe. Yeah, how, so you, how like far are you guys from, from there? Not far. Uh, it's like a, I think five and a half hour drive or something like that. And okay. Chris, uh, you know, founder of that club, is a good friend of mine. Um, when I was living out in Glenwood, he came out and visited and stayed with us. I was got thirteen years ago or something. Yeah. So I'd like to go down and support his club. It sounds like they got a good thing down there. Yeah, goat heads, baby. Yep. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, that's what we need, you know, new clubs to 
to pop up and do the thing, host the rides. Yeah, absolutely. put on the rides, like you know, keep it going. Yeah, and you know, hopefully they keep doing fresh stuff and keeping it interesting. You know, I feel like that was part of what we did when we came in was brought some new blood and new ideas and helped invigorate the, the whole scene. And that's what it takes is new ideas and new clubs to keep it alive. Yeah. Or else, or else what's going to happen to it? You know, it'll fade away. No, yeah. No one wants to see that. It'll turn into Moped Facebook. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm going to fucking wrap it up, my guy. My guy. My boy. Sounds good. I missed you, Jason. Yeah, dude. It's been a while, for sure. Like, I don't know. Our, our Koufax killer, that was the last black beat up. And it was, that was a good time, for sure. That was incredible. I was when all, like, I was so nice to have all the family here. Yeah. It was just like, ugh, I talk about that ride so much, dude. Like, I'm like, yeah, we just literally got in a van or a bus or whatever the fuck we were in, the van. And we drove, like, on a highway, like, far, far, far out of Denver. Like, we were, we were <laughs> at the highway. We just got on the highway and drove super far away from the city. And then pulled out all these bikes out of a box truck. And I was like, all right, guys, we're going to ride moments back to the city now. Our gravel parking lot surrounded by cornfields. Yeah, it was, like, the middle of nowhere. And, like, the longest, like, ride, I was on a stock derby, and I was like, oh, I, I, this can't be any better. This is sick. I'm doing 40, like, flat, <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> yeah. That was that was one of the most fun events I think we hosted. Yeah. It was, like, it was, like, it was low-key. It was small. It wasn't, like, super crazy. I wish more people would have came out to experience it because it was actually, like, a really good time. Uh, the bike that I gave away... Uh, that that I rode on that ride had one of the engines from the first pinball. The cases were from it. Oh man! And the main gear had exploded and fired a hole through the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> I had repaired it with a piece of window screen and JB weld. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like remade the whole engine case out of JB weld. <laughs> like we need we need two more bottles of JB weld. These ones are toast. I can't. <laughs> the bike's still running somewhere in Denver. That's funny. Living with the dogs out here. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you fucking. Sorry about that. No, no, you're good, man. I appreciate you hanging out and looking, chatting with me for a bit. Like, I've been trying to get you to, like, hop on for a little bit, but we just haven't been able to line it up. Absolutely. It was good talking with you, man. Um, yeah. You know, I've really proud of the podcast glad you guys have been going this long pretty impressive yeah it's glad to be part of it too yeah dude for sure i mean 100 something episodes 50 60 something i don't know it's like easy to keep going it's like i just want to like you know talk to people and get to know about mopeds and like kind of show how we're all like the same like everyone's kind of gone through a lot of the same shit and like we kind of all have the same like mindset you know from different places all over the country it takes a certain type for sure <laughs> yeah not not everyone wants to fucking fix it once it breaks <laughs> no it's one thing to just write it and it's another thing to like you know want to want to fix that problem and keep keep doing it over and over again or have someone else you know that's willing to help fix it for you and like and still enjoy it yeah like yeah you know, 
It's hard. It's like-minded hard. people. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to, like, have the joy taken out of Moveds because it wasn't working. It's like, I love I love that part of it. It's like, I spent 20 minutes honing a cylinder the other day just because, like, like, why buy another one? Like, it doesn't look that bad. Like, let's just hone it to the piston fits. And the bike fired right up. Yeah, it's awesome. Have just even those little things again. It's like that simple gratification. Yeah, mopeds definitely provide it. Makes me feel good about myself. When everything else is going <laughs> to shit, I know I can unclog a carburetor. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, bro. I'm gonna wrap it up. So, thanks for thanks for chatting, dude. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later, Biggie. All right, later, bro. Bye bye. Cool. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Um, that was my buddy Derek from Black Black. It was cool having him on. Like I've been meaning to get him on for a while. But like I said earlier, if you want to, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook or any of the social media stuff. We're on there and TikTok, all that stuff. Um, it's Moped Money Podcast. If you have a topic we should get into or a guest you think I should have on the show, you can email us as well at mopedmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And also, I didn't mention earlier, but we did finally release our new shirt, or one of them. It's cool. We're pumped on it. Like, uh, I think the design's super sick. I had this local designer that I'm really into, like, do it for me, and she killed it. Like, it's so sick. We had a fucking Cobra top tank as a planter and a girl's hand holding a wrench and, like, some other little things, like, done on it in a little collage. And yeah, so that's for sale right now. We're doing a pre-sale that's going to end on my birthday, which is November 1st. So if you want to swing by mopinmoney.com, you can order your pre-sale. And then I'll place the order then and print some. And then I'll print some extras so we can carry some in the store. And yeah, anything like that would help. And they're cool. Like, I'm pumped on them. But yeah, if you guys, you know, want to give us a review on iTunes or something, that would be greatly appreciated too. And I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. And we'll be back next week. Fuck your car. Ride a moped. So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? Fuck your car. Ride a moped. I don't know. Like, touch your flower. Is it moving? Like, no, feel free locked up. Sounds like you're fucked, dude. Oh, boy. Wah, wah, wah.